Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. And today we'll hit heavy on the history with a segment about the Ides of March. And then, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, we'll talk about some fun Irish phrases. Around this time of year, the ominous phrase, beware the Ides of March, starts to pop up. Beware, beware, but what does it mean, and why should we be afraid? The Ides of March is March 15th, and the phrase telling us to be wary comes from Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar, in which a soothsayer emerges from a crowd to warn the Roman dictator with the now-famous words, beware the Ides of March. And this isn't just an act from a play. Julius Caesar really was stabbed to death in the Roman Senate by a group of senators on the Ides of March in 44 BC. The ancient historian Plutarch even reported that the real-life Caesar was warned of impending doom by a seer named Spurina. So Shakespeare was sticking pretty close to the actual history. Ides is a Latin word of unknown origin, but it's one of three words that Romans use to mark specific days of the month on their calendar—calends, nones, and ides. And even though these words all end with s, they're singular. In case it wasn't clear, the ides of March is one day. The Roman calendar was dramatically different from what we use today. It had only 10 set months, but the Romans inserted extra months sometimes in a way I found incredibly confusing. And it isn't just me. The last year before their calendar was reformed is referred to as the, quote, last year of confusion, unquote. The key point for us is that their calendar was tied to the phases of the moon, and the Ides was the date of the full moon, and generally marked the middle of the month. Every month had an Ides, not just March. For example, the printer William Caxton referred to the Ides of July in a citation in the Oxford English Dictionary from 1483, and that would have been a normal thing to do at the time, just like we'd refer to the 15th of July. In some months, the Ides was on the 13th, and in others, like March and July, it was on the 15th. Calends was the first day of the month, and it's the origin of our modern word calendar. And Nones was the fifth or the seventh day of the month, depending on the month. It was always eight days before the Ides, but the way the Romans counted it, it was nine days, which is why the name will remind you of the number nine, Nones. They used inclusive counting, so that would be like us saying our week included Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday again, that the week ran from Sunday to Sunday. 
According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the days after the nones were reckoned forward to the ides. So people would refer to a date such as October 11th as the 5th of the Ides of October because it was five days before the Ides, counting inclusively. The 5th of the Ides of October, five days before the Ides. And as an aside, it's because of Caesar that we celebrate the new year in January. According to History.com, March 15th was the beginning of the new year on the Roman calendar, but Caesar changed it to January 1st about two years before his death as part of his major calendar reformation project, which made the calendar year more accurately match the solar year. So we say beware the Ides of March because it's the date Julius Caesar was murdered, and Shakespeare immortalized the phrase in his play about those events. But I think from now on, at least for me, it will mean beware having to figure out the organization and dates of the Roman calendar. In honor of St. Patrick's Day, this week I have some interesting ways that Irish English differs from American English and some words and phrases that have Irish origins. I've talked in the past about how to properly use the word myself. In American English, it's considered wrong to use it in the object position. To say something like, bring the corned beef and cabbage to myself. The right choice is me. Bring the corned beef and cabbage to me. But myself is a reflexive pronoun, which means it's in the same group of words as himself and herself. And Irish English has a special use for these words. I first discovered it when I was listening to the Outlander audiobooks by Diana Gabaldon. The books are set in Scotland, and trust me, my family is Irish, so I know that Scottish and Irish aren't the same thing, but in this case, both languages have the same interesting quirk. So in the book, characters refer to Colin Mackenzie, Laird of the Castle Leoch, as himself. Here's an example from the book. Well, now, that's very grand. Now you've just time for a wee bite, and then I must take you to himself. Himself, I said. I didn't care for the sound of this. Whoever himself was, he was likely to ask difficult questions. It took me a while to realize that they only used himself to refer to Colum and not to any other characters. And after I looked it up, it made sense. In Scottish and Irish English, himself and herself are used to refer to someone of importance, like the lord of the castle or the master of the house. For instance, a 1983 academic article by Raymond Hickey about Irish English uses these examples. Himself isn't here at the moment. And where's himself? Hickey notes that himself isn't just substituting for he— It means a specific person of authority or respect, such as someone's boss or father or a woman's husband. I also found a cute Irish culture website where the people who run the site are listed under the heading himself and herself on the About Us page. Although himself and herself have this additional meaning in Irish English, I also get the sense that it's more acceptable in Irish English to use myself in ways that we'd consider wrong in American English. For example, the Oxford English Dictionary entry for myself notes that using the word as the object of a verb is archaic, except in Irish English. That would be a sentence such as, he brought myself some corned beef and cabbage. 
I also found a blog about Irish language and culture called A Bit Irish that has some examples of how myself is used in Irish English. For example, the writer says, you'll often hear, myself and Tommy went to town, rather than Tommy and I went to town. And as an aside, one thing you'll notice if you start researching Irish English is that it's often called Hiberno-English, and so I looked into why. It turns out Hibernia was the Roman name for Ireland. According to Adam Online, Hibernia is from a Latin word that meant land of winter, and it's related to the word hibernation. Next, we'll talk about some sayings that are and aren't from Irish. First, a listener asked if the word shebang from the saying, the whole shebang, is Irish, and it's not. I checked all the sources I could find, and none of them mentioned an Irish connection. A few suggested it might be from a French word for a type of bus or wagon with many seats. But smithereens from the phrase blown to smithereens is from an Irish word that means small fragments. A couple of sources say that the "-een suffix on the end may have the same diminutive meaning as it does on the end of the names Maureen, Noreen, and Colleen, which is actually my middle name. The idiom on the pig's back is a translation directly from Irish. According to the Oxford English Dictionary of Idioms, it means living a life of ease and luxury or being in a very fortunate situation. The phrase finder site says it's been in use in Irish since the 17th century and in English since the 19th century. People often think it's related to the American phrase to live high on the hog, which seems to have come from the idea that the cuts of meat from the pig's back are more desirable and expensive than cuts from other parts of the pig. So wealthy people were more likely to eat meat from the pig's back or high on the hog. Unfortunately, there's actually no evidence that the two phrases are related, and it's more likely they arose independently. The sources I found don't think the Irish phrase comes from the idea of expensive cuts of meat, but they also don't know where it comes from. It's definitely Irish, but it's also a mystery. One possible clue that it may come from a more literal riding-on-the-back idea is that there's also a reciprocal phrase saying, the pig is on your back, that describes having a hard time. And to create a pig trifecta, I'll end with this Irish saying, the pig's tail is part of the pig, which means essentially the same thing as the English saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, meaning generally that you're as bad as one of your parents. So I hope that you enjoyed this segment and that you find yourself on the pig's back this St. Patrick's Day. Finally, instead of a famelect this week, I have the winning poem from the National Grammar Day Twitter Poetry Contest. It's by Brittany Constable, who goes by Constable Writes on Twitter and describes herself as a Californian living in the Midwest with a mild-mannered secret identity in tech support. And I'm pleased to be able to present her reading the poem herself. Hi, this is Brittany Constable, the winner of the ACES Grammar Day Poetry Contest, and uh, here to read my poem. I know sentence, word, and paragraph, and every rule that makes them. When I know all there is to know about these rules, I break them. Thanks, Brittany, and congratulations. And thanks to everyone who entered the contest. Brittany's poem was chosen from more than 100 entries. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. 
And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl. And now I'm also on TikTok as The Real Grammar Girl. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sems. And that's all. Thanks for listening. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.